We've got a, a very special guest this evening. He's uh, played 29 games for the Socceroos and he's the chief football analyst on uh, SBS's The World Game. Craig Foster, good evening, sir. Uh, how are you guys? Oh, very well, thank you. We're very excited to have you on the show tonight. Our first uh, real guest. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. It's my pleasure. Oh, very good to hear. Craig, uh, what were your opinions on the game last night? We were just having a chat. Uh, did you think Chelsea uh, played well enough to win in the end? Um, well, look, they're holding the cup. So, yeah. uh, you know, the, the whoever's got the cup at the end of the day is always going to say that they, they got the job done. Uh, I think they're extremely fortunate. I think they had as much as much good fortune as I've seen any team in quite a very long time, particularly mm. in the Champions League. You know, and we're watching the game, you know, sort of in the second half as it went through, and Bayern were just creating chance after chance after chance. You go through them all, and, and you know, Mario Gomez had an absolutely awful game. Mm. Uh, you know, turned up on the big occasion where he had at least three or four good opportunities. All he needs to do is put a finish on something, and that's his job. But, uh, and, um, you know, I, I felt after the semi-final and so on that Chelsea had actually had so much luck that it may well run out in the final. And that's normally what you see in football. At yeah. some point, someone's going to score when they have so many chances. But in fact, after the first shot from uh, Robin, who hit the post that came off the leg of Petacek, was a very good save. Mm. And we all sort of looked at each other and said, well, hang on. You know, maybe this luck is just going to last, you know, one more 90, 90 or 120 minutes. Yeah, 120. Uh, look, in the end, though, you know, Bayern should have put the game away. Um, and, uh, you know, they really should have won it. Chelsea uh, sort of hung on, hung on and hung on. And, uh, and you know, won very admirably in the penalty shootout. I think they're fortunate, uh, but they are the champions. Yeah. Um, yeah, Craig, it's great to have you on. This is, this is Biddy here. Um, Thanks, Biddy. Yeah, and... Uh, the, the European season's over now, and we're looking forward to some international games. Uh, the Socceroos have got some huge World Cup qualifiers coming up in June. Uh, the squad was just recently announced. What are your What are your thoughts on uh, some of the inclusions there? Rukovitsa coming back in, and some of the players that we have. Um, looking forward to the Japan game in Brisbane later on. Yeah, it's going to be great. Um, you know, I went and saw uh, Timmy Cale yesterday over here in Gosford, just doing one of his clinics and so on. I asked him, and uh, it'll be on the show, our show tomorrow night. But he, he, I thought, was very honest. He said, look, we're good, we're not great. Uh, I think the team at the moment is nowhere near as strong as the last two World Cups, uh, yeah. and that's why the last one in 2010 was so disappointing in many respects, because that was the last throw of the dice of that great generation yeah. from 2006. Uh, now they've had to uh, revitalise it. The defence has changed quite a bit with Craig Moore going out. Um, as Timmy told me yesterday, and this was on camera, but he said uh, it's certainly not. You know, we've got issues in defence. It's not as strong as what it was before, whether Speranovic plays or indeed Ogdenovsky or whoever it is. Mm. Uh, and uh, even midfield, I don't think is as strong. You know, when you've got guys, uh, you know, when we used to have what Vinnie Grella, uh, Jason was in there. Um, and Bresciano, of course, playing on the left. Um, you know, Stojovsky was playing at that time on the right, running into the 2006 World Cup. Mm. Now we've got largely Mila Yedinak. Um, you know, Carl Valeri plays there a lot. I don't think... Um, I was quite impressed by uh, uh, the young... Um, I can't remember his name now. Mm. The young central midfielder who played... It has been a late night for all mm. of us. So uh, Reece, is it Reese Williams or me, Chris Hurd? Uh, no, the young guy came in. He played a little bit in the Asian Cup. He's playing across mm. in England. Ah, uh, Neil Kilkenny, is it? That's right, yeah. yeah. That's, I thought yeah, in his first player. game he was impressive when he came on in the second half. I think that was mm. pre-tournament. Yeah, he's got but good vision, he doesn't his, he? Yeah. Yeah, once he got his chance, uh, you know, I think he, 
he he didn't quite snatch it as mm. I was sort of hoping he would. Mm. So that next generation hasn't really stepped up yet, and that includes Rukovitsa, that includes Robbie Cruz, who's not getting much time. Mm. Uh, you know, Matthew Leckie's still young. Uh, but all these got we're sort of in that transition stage, and I just feel that we're not quite as strong as we were. Yeah, yeah. Having said that, uh, you know, in this group of five, this team should be well organised and more than capable. You know, I expect us to qualify. The real question is mm. what we're going to do when we get there. Absolutely. Definitely. And um, you were talking about the golden generation, 2006, and it's really fantastic seeing guys like John Aloisi and Popovich becoming managers in the A League. Uh, what are your thoughts on um, those yeah. guys becoming coaches and their football philosophies, and how will it affect the A League in a good way? I think it's going to be, I think it's a really important time and they're ready to step up. You know, if I go back 10 years when I first started at SPS, you know, the, one of the core things I sort of came back from abroad, had worked under Venables, had worked under Zoran Matic, who was comfortably the best NSL coach. Mm. And when I say coach, I say I'd use the term coach as distinct from manager. Yep. And I think we've had predominantly managers in the past, more along a British style of, um, uh, type of operative mm. rather than, if you like, a continental coach whereby they're an actual technician, they're on the training ground every day, yeah. they understand the mechanisms, they understand the tactical problems. Mm. They, this is what an Italian coach is, this is what a, a Dutch coach is. Okay. And we've predominantly just had guys who, they were they were largely there to manage the group, manage the personnel, recruit the best players they could, mm usually fairly basic tactical organisation with no real tremendous uh, systems, no great innovation. And we were struggling to keep up with the, sort of what was going on in the modern game. So mm. that's now changed. I think I've seen the new licences that are just coming into play now. And the last couple of two or three years, it's already changed a great deal. So all of these guys now have been re-educated to a really good level. I'm very pleased with where we started to where we are now. I think it's a massive change. Excellent. But the new license is going to take us to an entirely new level, and this is one thing mm. um, I don't agree with. I think there's a lot, quite a few question marks around our technical work at the top level with Hamburger and so on in terms of kids and whatever. We've got a lot of work to do. Mm. But in terms of the advanced licenses, the methodology is brought is absolutely outstanding, and it is at least a decade ahead of where we were. So... It comes down to these guys. Basically, the A-League is struggling financially, and mm. we're looking at survival. Clubs are trying to survive right now. Right? So what happens is they've got two options. They either continue to recruit from abroad, which they cannot afford, or, and that means that every club basically is looking at Australians now. Now they've got mm. two options. They can go for the guys that they would say are experienced, i.e. The, the former generation, or they can go for the new generation who've all played in Europe and who are now trained. Yeah. I much prefer the latter. That's mm. why I'm pleased about what's gone on. Mm. Because I think they will take the game forward. It might take them a couple of years, but I believe that they see the game in a different way from the last generation. And that's not that's that's not to to uh, that's not a criticism. But you know, all of us, whether it's play, it's like the players in my generation, we are, we will be disappointed if the current players aren't better. Because every 10 years, we should be taking a step forward, and that's the same with the coaches. Definitely. So the older coaches should be delighted that these boys are now educated and they're going to do something. So for that reason, given the choice open to the clubs, I am absolutely thrilled that this younger generation are now going to get their opportunity. Mm.
Yeah, well, absolutely. Um, just a local question, uh, Craig. Uh, how do you think our own Perth Glory will be going this year? We've uh, lost the likes of Neville and Adrazinho in the off-season, but already brought in uh, Thwaites from Gold Coast and Jamison from Sydney FC. Well, Thwaites is a very good player in the A-League. You know, he, he's a really outstanding signing. So um, I think whether he's going to play in the centre of midfield or whether he's going to play in the centre of defence, I don't know, but he gives you the flexibility to do both. He's also a good footballer, so he likes to keep the ball. He likes to play in possession. He likes to build up from the back and all those things. Um, look, I, I don't know. I think um, I was a bit concerned this year, quite, quite frankly, that... Um, the teams that were, I think we're in a bit of a transition, the teams that are trying to play and, if you like, trying to replicate the Brisbane Roar and the good possession football uh, weren't yet strong enough to do that really effectively. They were very inconsistent. It worked for the um, Hearts and when it worked for the Jets, for instance, it was very good. When it didn't, it was very ordinary. So they were too inconsistent to be able to sort of, uh, you know, do, reach the finals or do well at least, um, and I thought that opened the door for Wellington and for Perth Glory to still be to be able to really prosper. And it was, it was a wonderful effort to get to the grand final. That's great. But what I want to see is, you know, I'm not a fan of any particular club. What I want to see is the highest level of football in the A-League from every single team. Definitely, you know? uh, yeah. Because and it, I would it, love yeah. to see the others come up and really play top quality football, including Perth, and I, mm. and, and I, I actually don't know if that is really what the club is trying to achieve. Yeah. No, yeah, hopefully. I mean, there's going to be Asian Champions League next year for Perth Glory, which, you know, just opens up a whole new competition to everyone here. They can watch some great um, J-League clubs and um, yeah. teams from China. It would be amazing for us. Um, but to looking at the current Champions League with, you know, Central Coast participating, Brisbane Roar in one of their first campaigns, what did you think about the performance of Australian clubs against, you know, the big J-League teams in, um, in the Asian Champions League this year? Well, I thought, firstly, the J-League teams aren't at the same level they were a couple of years ago, and that's natural. Things mm -hmm. can go up and down. They lost a lot of their players. A lot of the young Japanese players are going across to Europe now. I mm -hmm. noticed this morning, in fact, Bayern Munich had a kid on the bench who's on loan from Gambo Osaka. Yeah, Usami, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've never seen him, but mm -hmm. he must be some phenomenal talent. So, uh, you know, this, this, these things go through cycles, but I thought Gambo Osaka were very ordinary, and I, didn't, I wasn't particularly impressed by Nagoya. FC Tokyo were really... Good. Very good, very effective. Um, for us, you know, Adelaide, I think, was predictable. They've had success in the past by just playing on... If you like, Adelaide really played like Chelsea. Okay, they basically decided that, look, we're not good enough to play against these guys. If we open up and try and take them on and try and control the game, they're going to beat us, and I think they're right. And so we will just close up, we'll sit back, and we'll hit with our speed on the counter-attack, and they prospered for that. That's, that's fine. That's one way to play football, and they got results that they, they will believe is magnificent. That's good. Mm. Uh, to me, what, what I like to see, though, is our clubs actually... I think that reflects still reflects our history, you see. In the past, there was only sporadic teams who would have been able... Although the, the great NSL teams could, but... Uh, you know, in principle, most of our teams would go into Asia now and not be able to really play in a very even way with the Japanese youth mm -hmm. teams at youth level or at senior. So I like what the Raw did, um, and I think they were quite close, and it, it, it actually also showed that they were extremely dominant in the A-League, and yet when they played against Tokyo and so on, they were able to keep the ball less, mm. uh, but also they were nowhere near as effective in attack. So it showed you that the Japanese... Or certainly Tokyo anyway, and even Beijing and so on, were far better organised defensively than what we are here. Absolutely. So, 
I like that because when Raw went and did that, it gave us a good benchmark. To me, it's not a good benchmark to say, well, Adelaide went there, played counter-attack, did really very little, but were able to get one or two chances. And it, it, to me, it doesn't measure your football in any way. Mm. It just shows that you can do that. And really, that's the, the easiest thing to do in football is to put 4-5-1 to sit back, to ride your luck a little bit. Like and, Chelsea. <laughs> yeah. well, like Chelsea. I mean, yeah. that is... That, you know, and in fairness to Dean Taylor, he admitted it. He yeah. said, "Look, I don't believe we were capable of anything else." That's a matter of opinion. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's a risky, it's a it's a risky thing because at 83 minutes this morning, uh, had they have not got one header from their one corner, mm. Chelsea would have lost this morning and gone out having hardly passed the ball. And, and I would have been, would have a, been absolutely smashing. Them. And, and as a Bayern Munich fan, I would have been very happy as well. <laughs> Well, and, and, and arguably that was what was deserved, mm. right? But yeah. football is, is a funny game and um, there's many, many ways to win it. But people say, a lot of people look at what happened this morning and say, oh, well, okay, uh, you know, you don't have to have possession to win a game. Of course you don't. You never had to. Mm-hmm. The question for us in Australia is what is most effective and what's most likely to win? What, what maximises our odds as a country of being able to win at the highest level? Mm. And all of the history shows that you must be able to control the game and control the ball. Yeah. Yeah, in sporadic times, you can get an Inter or a Chelsea. But in principle, your teams that control the play, whether it's Brazil in the past, Spain right now, mm. a Germany who I think will probably win the Euros, or Barcelona in the last, or Ajax in the uh, you know, 70s, uh, whether it's uh, Rigo Saki's 90s and mm. Milan, you go right through it. The predominant way of winning and consistently being successful is to control the game and the ball. Yeah, like I read in your book, Foz on Football, it's not being the underdogs, it's being the overdogs, and being right. yeah, being used to controlling games, having your your style of football known around the world. You know, exactly. Um, and there's yeah. two things about that. One for us, and this whole discussion has really come on a long, long way. Believe me, when I was saying this ten years ago, people were going absolutely bananas. And, you know, when I was questioning our coaching, really there was a huge negative reaction. And uh, we had to, it was just a a cultural issue that we just had to work through and it takes time. But Mm. the thing for us is twofold. Firstly, that we we play a certain sport a certain way. You must play according to mentality. So that's, that's, that's for us is very important. But the other one, guys, is I, I believe that if we, let's say, for instance, go back to the A-League now. Um, I don't know how Tony Popovich is going to play. I don't know what he's overriding things. But Ian Crook has been trained now by a Dutchman, even though he's an Englishman, which I love that. Mm. I love that he's been here 10 years, and now we've got an English guy seeing the game a different way. I think it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. He's going to play uh, football and try and uh, emulate the raw. Rado will. Uh, Johnny Aloisi will. Um, of course, you've got Vic Melbourne Victory trying as well. All of a sudden, you've got five or six clubs trying to play in a in an aggressive, dominant way, but with good with good structure behind it. Right? Mm. What happens in time is we will therefore start to produce coaches who are capable of playing good attacking football, mm. and in that way, we become, if you like, almost like the Dutch of the last fifteen years, where Chris Hiddink, Dick Advocaat, uh, you know, all of these coaches start to then be valuable around the world. Yeah. And I believe that's what will happen in Asia for our coaches. Mm. Because if you look, if you look, let's take, take for instance, uh, Real Madrid. Let's just say that Mourinho hadn't have won this year. Right? Yeah. Real Madrid have a history of playing wonderful football. If they now turned around for whatever reason and said, we need a new coach, how many coaches are there in the world at the top level where they'd say, this guy plays outstanding attacking football? <laughs> how many? I'll tell you, yeah. there's only a handful. Not many. There Not many actually is a handful because the majority 
like to play in a safer way because it's much easier, actually. Mm. So I think as a nation, we should be aiming to produce this whole generation of attacking coaches. It suits our purposes and it suits us selling all our coaches offshore, and that's a career path where our boys should be earning millions of dollars mm. in the next 10 years. And then obviously great coaches means great footballers, and then you just get a successful sort of footballing culture, which is what we all want here in Australia. So, exactly. Yeah. But you need it. I think we needed a clear picture, and uh, with that, if we lack the clear picture, you know, when, you've, when you're starting from virtually nothing in the sense we, we've produced a lot of really outstanding players but as a nation we, we still have no way of playing if you ask someone abroad how does Australia play this day I don't really know it's physical know isn't it that. Yeah, it's sort of like we, we try really hard and it's physical and That's right. uh, we're hard to beat that way but it's not really Largely. technical it's not very yeah. technical at mm. all no, it's, no it's, not at all and mm. he didn't change that mm. but we're, we're, we're now trying to change that culturally so that we don't need one and, and Venables also changed that but but what we want to do is we want to have a clear picture as a nation of how we want to play. And when you have that clear picture, every youth coach in the country knows what it is they're supposed to achieve. Every under-eight coach knows how it is that their kids should be trying to play. You re- I believe we need a really clear picture for everyone because we have a lot of parent coaches and we have a lot of real challenges. Mm. You have to have a really constant message, this is that da and that's just starting to come through, and we've come a long way in that regard. Absolutely. Well, Craig, thank you so much for coming on, mate. It's been a real pleasure having you on. If you ever find yourself in Perth, feel free to come into the state <laughs> studio. <laughs> no problem. Oh, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, well, yeah, we love talking football with you. respect your opinion so much, so thanks yeah, a lot. And uh, the big plug, Thanks-wise. you're on uh, the World Game SBS tomorrow night, is it? Correct, yeah. yeah. Um, that would be 9.30 SBS 2, probably around 11 p.m. SBS 1. Mm. Fantastic. All right, thanks okay, a lot, guys. mate. Have a good Thank one. Be good. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.